0: What's going on everybody, this is D Frank I'm back with a brand new episode It's been a, been a hot little minute But uh, hey, it's, it's part of life man So today we're going to be talking about something that I, I don't feel like a lot of people are comfortable doing But at the same time, I don't even think some people even do this So man, we're going to jump right into it Trust the process um, Yeah Trust the process. Trust your process, man. What what you know what what does that even mean? Do you even have a process? Do you know even what know what a process is? Well, I'm gonna to talk to you about what I feel trust the process means to me. How it makes a difference in daily life and, and doing big things alike. And also talk about a a few personal stories that I've seen. Coming out of trust in the process and even some well-known people with uh the process that they went through and when they have to trust their own process. Trust the process. Man, we've heard this saying a plenty of times in the past, and even to this day we still hear this saying, trust the process. This is what it means to me. I'll say that. Trust your process, not just not the process, not the process of your next door neighbor or your friend of me. I'm talking about your process. We're talking about that because it's your journey. It's nobody else's. So, and trusting the process, not trusting the process, trusting your process when it comes to me, it means taking a chance on yourself for the for the desired outcome that you want it means believing in yourself when and in your vision even when your family friends can't see it or they don't just you know they just flat out don't understand your vision and that's okay because at the end of the day it's your vision they can't they can't see it as clear as you and it's honestly it's not meant for them to see it Or if it is it's not meant for them to see it at that time So the journey of trusting your process Man can be scary An anxiety attack and exciting all in one I feel if uh, you have to get To a point where Where it's at the point To where it's risk Where it's riskier to stay in the situation Being content Well not even being content If you're just sitting there complaining About how bad this situation is Or whatever and you just sitting there complaining about it, it's worse and riskier just sitting there not taking a chance on it versus, you know, versus going for it, going for what you want, going for that desired outcome that you want. Even though there's a chance to fail, but at the same time, it's always that chance that it's gonna work out and potentially work out even better than what you had anticipated. So what you sitting there waiting on? Why I was about to say when it, when it comes to failure like that, when it comes when it comes to that, and when you think of failure, man, why why does failure stop you? Because at the end of the day, we all done failed that quote unquote failed at something in life, and it's a part of learning, man. So it's just the cold reality of it, you know, potentially failing. is gonna be be a part of, but at the same time too it's depending on how you look at failure because as we all know, if you take failure more so as a lesson instead of something that a D to you from the, from your process, man, it will go a hell of a lot better than you would think. And the best of the best have failed at something in their process into getting where they're going, including me. So, and also on the other side of failure, and you know, even if you do quote unquote fail, at the end of the day, for going for it, you still—I still believe you'll have a, a hell of a lot better outcome than you can ever imagine with it. Especially, it just depends on how your attitude about everything goes. So, after you make your mind up uh, to go through what you, uh, what whatever idea that's in your process of going, you know, do your due diligence man, do your homework on it, you know, look up, look up and look into what you're about to get into. Um, if you have a mentor that can guide you in certain ways when it comes to it, man, um, just, just, you just got to take that first step. You you just got to take that first step into everything and just go for it. And then, like I was just saying, do your, you, you know, Research. Do your best at finding out as much as you possibly can, man. You know, no matter what it comes down to, you, you want to get into a field or some uh, a field or whatever it may, whatever that calling of yours may be. Shit, you know, it might be a chance that a lot of people out here doing doing the same thing that you want to get into. So what? Big big deal, because I guarantee. That it may be a lots and lots of people that do it, but no one can do it better. And I really mean that. Nobody can do it better than you. Nobody can do it like you. So when you get into it, man, just put your own twang on it. You know, get in that thing and put that twang on it and just make it yours. Own up to it because, man, yes, the market out there could be saturated, but... That's the reason you know going back into doing your due diligence, you can find out you know when you do your research, you can find out what they're doing that you may like, and find out what you don't like about it, or just try to take it from a different approach to find out what what can you do to make this whole process yours yours pretty much, and then uh, when it comes down to after all that man, sometimes you just got to go ahead and just say, screw it and make that step out on faith. Because if you just sit there, just wait for the quote unquote perfect moment to go out there and do it, man, you'll probably still be sitting on that couch, that dead end job, military, what, or just sitting in your thoughts, just sitting there thinking about it, thinking, 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 thinking. And then one day you're just going to blink and, 10, 20, however many years, days, months go by, and you just sitting there talking about it and talking about it, and you'll just, you'll eventually be an old head somewhere saying, Oh man, I wish when I was younger, I would've I wish I would have did this. I wish I would have did that. I refuse to live that kind of life because hell, I would rather if taking a shot missed, now I'm not even gonna say missed, I'd have been, I'd rather take the shot, learn my lesson from it, and when, if I would have tried it and if it wasn't for me at least I could sit there and say it wasn't for me or you know taking a, uh, taking a shot and it didn't turn out the way I want and it just ended up being a lesson learned versus just looking at it being you know money lost because most millionaires you know they they have gone broke at, you know quite a few times to even get to where they're at so you're going to you're going to take your bumps and bruises on the process. No matter what process you go, you know, that that's meant for you, you're going to take some kind of bumps and bruises, but man, it just build that it builds up calluses. And then, you know, it just makes you tougher along the way and you just readjust because like they, it's like a saying with, um, with University of Alabama, with their football team, man, with Nick Saban being there since 07 or what? Yeah, he's been coaching there since 07. And his his program and his process has been proven so well that it's at to the point where whenever Alabama has a lot of talent leaving for the NFL, they don't even say that they're going to be rebuilding. They just say they reload. So you can use that as a metaphor for your process because – You know, along the line, you got to build yourself up to that point to where you learn from the things that you can say that didn't go right for you in the beginning or whatever it may be. And once you get to that point of paying your dues and putting all your work in, it's going to come to a point when whenever something, you know, whenever you have to redirect you, you won't even say you're rebuilding. The only thing you just got to you're going to be at the point where you'll just be reloading and. And you'll be right back into the fight. So after that, man, you get. And even during all those crazy, dark times when things just get like sideways like that, you just gotta remember, it does seem like it gets sketchy out here at times along your process because. It'll it, uh, I'll be sitting here lying and say if. I didn't second guess certain things if I didn't believe that something was going to work out for the greater good. But that's when you got to, you know, just get to a point to where you make a decision and ride with it no matter what happens. And that's how that's what I also believe in sticking with, uh, you know, sticking with a decision and. No matter how sketchy it may be, you just got to trust your process that is going to work out in the end. Because I have, you know, a plenty, I have quite a few examples of that that I'm going to give here shortly about sticking to, a, uh, sticking to my process when it comes down to getting something done. Even though the situation right then and there may seem sketchy and it just builds back to everything that I was talking about before. Because usually the sketchiest parts of the process is the proven ground, the test grounds for where you want to get to with this thing. And it's the biggest part of the test to where if you go through it, go through with whatever decision you decide to make and you run with it, that's usually the test that that you got to take and pass. So... One of the biggest, well, I can think of for myself personally in a situation like that is the situ- the the decision I made when I wanted to leave. The, when I it ain't no when I wanted when I made my mind up to leave the military because I was I went in in 2009 and around 2013, 2014, I really got to the point where. I just wanted to say I was done with it. I, I wasn't happy. I gave it, you know, I gave it time and uh, gave it time, um, deployed everything in between. And it just still, I feel like at that time, it, well, and it wasn't at that time, I just felt like it wasn't for me. And I gave it a fair shot. And I made up my mind about just go ahead and getting out around towards the end of 2013 when I was doing a whole bunch of rollbacks and and when I was trying to have people meet a retention board and I just, and I had to face that retention board. I sat there and put some thought into it because like the year prior, I remember one of my uh, my supervisor at that time was saying something about if you don't uh, have a certain rating on your You know, your yearly report or whatnot, performance report or whatnot, you're going to meet a retention board and they're going to try to kick you out. So that was in 2012 and like 2013. That's when everything came up. And sure enough, my name came up on that retention board. And I just sat there and just thought about it. Like, do I really want to meet this retention board and have somebody tell me that I'm not good enough to be in the military of a performance report and a lot of those things and if you've been in the military or just like i'd even imagine like in the corporate world probably where those things just carry weight and mainly your supervisor can either make you look like a star or make you look like a turd so i weighed my options and then at that time you know i was always thinking about Just getting up in the truck, you know, just want to get up in a truck, drive trucks. So that's when I just really started doing my due diligence and looking into, okay, if I to get out, what, you know, what do I need to do? And I didn't have, you know, I didn't, I didn't, at that time, I didn't have a plan of what I was going to have to bridge me from the time of getting out the military into you know driving trucks all i knew was where i wanted to be at and i started looking at local cdl schools and you know just just acquiring information and sure enough you know i I linked up with one that accepted like the gi bill and everything like that and then and then after that that's when the window opened up for you know voluntarily separating to get out and it was during that time I also put in a you know job application. Well, I was I did this I was gonna do this regardless. I also put in a job application to deliver pizzas at pizzas at Domino's part time because at the fire department that's what that was my job when I was in the military. We worked uh, 24 hours on, 24 hours off, and every two weeks we get three days off in a row. So I literally worked every day, you know, I was at the fire department, you know, I was there for 24 hours, but you know, we wasn't physically working like 24 seven, like after a certain time in the day, we would have time to ourselves as so long as we didn't have a call or any kind of emergency to respond to. And when I was off work, I would go deliver pizzas part time at Domino's and that's, and I used that money that I made at Domino's, and i stacked that up as money that i could that i may potentially need to fall back on when i got out and if i and sure enough uh and sure enough um also during that time uh like in the military you had to get like your commander's approval for like part-time jobs and all that and i said screw that i just went on and did it on my own just for the simple fact that when I decided to get out, uh, you know, like, uh, I'm not, I wasn't going to sit there and just put the point of finger and just say that, um, I didn't, you know, I didn't budget my money, right. I didn't have the money to get out because the commander didn't approve of me getting a, you know, a part-time job at the, just because they got some, just because they have a rule of saying something on paper that to me, it doesn't make it right because, Man, I, I, I knew better at that point to sit there and just completely, you know, you know, let a situation dictate me to not doing what's going to, at the at the end of the day, be in my best interest. So, you know, some of the guys, the guys knew that I got the part-time job at the fire department. You know, everything was cool, hunky-dory. And then you even, and also during that time, too, you also have people that you will work with, friends, acquaintances, or people that you don't even care about. That you you know they will f- catch wind of your plan and come over there and even try to question you and try to project their negativity onto you because one of the um, sergeants that was at the fire department with me and this guy was a year younger than me but he'd been in, in the military his whole adult life and he came up to me and said hey Franklin um, why didn't why don't you wait till next year to do uh to to separate because then you'd have the um, If you would have did like the early out, you know, like voluntary separating thing with six years, at least you would get like the thousands of dollars they were offering with it. And side note with that, I, you know, I was barely short of that. I was like five years in and I wasn't gonna get any extra money to uh separate. And I told him, like, man, it's more than one way to make money, which is what I was doing working at Domino's part-time, and then I told him too. Who's, who's there to even say that this program, is, you know, they're even going to offer this program to voluntarily separate next year. So that shut him up. That put all the little negativity that he had back into his pockets and he went on about his business. So every, you know, that was like in January, February. So around April 2014. 2014, that's when I got the email saying that I was approved for my early separation. And everything was, and I just stayed on course. And, you know, when August 2014 came around, I took my last little bit of terminal leave. I had saved up a, you know, a decent amount of money from working part time. And I, you know, took a little time off and I rolled into trucking school Towards the end of August cause, um, And when I got into trucking school That's the reason I got My part time job was for the fact That when I rolled into trucking school I hit, hit some uh, Stumbling blocks along the way And that's the reason I got that part time job To save money because With the military when, when I was on Terminal leave Getting ready to separate uh, My GI bill didn't cover that first That first week of truck driving school So I had to pay that out of pocket so with the money that I budget well I didn't really have a budget at that time but the money that I did just put away and saved it covered that first week of trucking school and that's the only thing I had to pay out of my pockets so yeah so when I I trust the process I got on out and months later I got a trucking you know trucking job and I never looked back and it pretty much led me to where I'm at right now And it was a a lot of people doubting me of saying, oh, man, you shouldn't get out out of the military. It's guaranteed pay, yada, 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 which may be true. But in my case, that would have been guaranteed pay and guaranteed misery. So that was my process. And it worked damn good for me. And I never looked back. And if I felt like I was even going to miss it just a tad bit, I would have just stayed in. And that's one of my Main story is about trusting my process, and then I'll just give another one in a smaller sense, and it's also related to trucking. Just uh, last year, I picked up this load of this with this machinery load that came up out of Michigan, and I was taking it to Amarillo, Texas, and it had a weird machine on it that I had to tarp, and the machine had like weird. It, it was. It just had sharp points to where if the wind got up and it started vibrating, it it was going to tear, you know, it tore the tarps up and it tore my brand new tarps up. It made me mad. So when I got into Illinois, the wind was cutting up real bad. It was cutting through my scraps. It blew holes, you know, ripped through the tarp and it was snapping my bungees to that was securing the tarps to the trailer. It was snapping them jokers to where it wanted to blow the tarp off and that machine couldn't get wet. So I had to, I pulled over and made an executive decision. Like, do I really want to keep throwing, throwing stuff across here with that tarp and having the wind catching it, it tear up my equipment? Or do I just, just want to say, screw it, take, run the risk of running it without the tarp. Um, you know, patching my tarps up, putting them up, and just driving into Texas without a tarp on, and that 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 decision, and I made the decision to just take the tarp off, fix it, put some new scraps. So the and I t- now I rolled the scraps up because I had to chain the machine down. So I rolled my scraps up because I didn't want any more of those scraps getting cut up by the wind. So. After that, I looked into I made sure I looked into the weather from that point in Illinois all the way down to Amarillo. wasn't any rain in the forecast. do if it was. It was just like a slim chance. And as I got closer to Amarillo on that Sunday, I I had uh called the shipper, not the shipper, the receiver of that load, and I told him, Hey, look, um, the wind out here had caught my tarp, tore it up, and I would want to see if you have uh you know like can i just park the trail inside your facility or something and i'll just come back in the morning and unload it sure enough he said man i'll do you one better we'll go ahead there's some guys out there right now we can go ahead and unload you right now and just get it on off your truck and be through with it so instead of getting unloaded monday they was kind enough to they understood the situation they told me to call when i got closer they unloaded me that monday and shoot i relaxed that monday and you know and got me a low Tuesday because that uh, just dealing with those tarps and everything and the unnecessary stress dealing with it, it wore me out a little bit. But And it was sketchy as hell for me to drive from that part of Illinois. I think it was like, um might have been Champaign, Illinois, all the way to Amarillo, Texas. And you, know, you can Google that and see how far that is. But driving that far, And I'm just glad the weather held up and everything like that. So, it was just, that that was another example of trusting my process. And it was sketchy as hell, in my opinion, but it worked out. And even with that situation, even if they couldn't get me unloaded until, like, the next day, the truck stop I had parked at wasn't too far from a tractor supply. And the place that I unloaded at was, like, two miles away. So, push come to shove. If I had to just buy another cheap tarp to throw over just to keep water off of it, you know, overnight, I still would have had that option too. But it just comes to show you, like, no matter how sketchy it gets, if you make a decision and decide to ride with it, usually it'll work out better better than you can imagine. And in that situation, it was no different. And I can also think of some other people that I know. Like uh, for instance, I know somebody. I know somebody who who uh, went through nursing school quite a few times, and the first two times, you know, was, they had some things going on in their personal life with family and stuff like that, and they put that on pause for a while, and then just decided to give it back, give it another shot. You know, sometime within the last two years, and. At after, at you know adverse situation after adverse situation came up, um, they just they just kept, you know just kept their head down and kept going. It and it looked very you know it got very sketchy, and it got to a point where you know they had a breaking point to where they even wanted to give up on it. But they just they they trusted their process of getting through it. Graduated. Graduated what seven, eight, nine, ten months ago, and now you know they're, uh, they're using that, uh, using what they learned in school, you know, and then it became an RN going out there traveling the world, making, uh, making, making five figure, you know, making nice five, you know, what high foes, some, somewhere high foes, you know, five figure checks, some, something like that, and. Never looked back. And that all came from trusting their process. And even though, you know, the journey got in a uh, warm out, kicked their ass a couple of times, but they just didn't give up on themselves and just said to hell with, it, even though they wanted to. And the famous situation, like a well-known person is Master P. And his story about how he came out the hood, man, is it's pretty crazy. You know, he grew up, you know, in the Cali Opes out there in the projects in New Orleans. And uh, he had got a college basketball scholarship to play for the University of Houston. And he had got, I think he had got a knee injury. I think, I can't remember if it was a knee injury, but I know he had a knee injury. In them days, he, um, once you was injured like that, they take away your scholarship. So he went back to the hood and... And, you know, his parents said he had to get out and do something. So, you know, eventually he moved to Richmond, California. And after his granddaddy passed, he had, he got a $10,000 settlement, opened up a record store out there in Richmond. And he eventually met people like Pac and, you know, E-40. And one thing led to another. He was opening up for, you know, Pac. And, and once he got into the record game... Well, recording music wise, because he had opened up a record store out there in uh, out there in Richmond, California. And the thing one of the things he noticed, like with his process was he noticed that in the black community that was selling they had record stores that sold uh, R&B records, you know, gospel records. But they didn't have any hip hop and rap store, you know, record stores at that time. So that's where he got the inspiration to open his store. And once he started getting into the music, actually, you know, making albums and things like that, he got in touch with Michael Jackson's lawyer. He paid the money, the, the fee that he charged, and he figured out what kind of record deal he had needed to get for he can make, you know, make the most money off of it. And it was a distribution deal. Master P came up with the 200 grand that he needed for his district, you know, for that part of the bargain for the uh, the albums and then he did that and did all the marketing and and just took put the uh, put the ball in his court because I remember I'm gonna be paraphrasing a story where he said when he met with uh I can't remember which record label it was they was willing to cut him a million I think it was a million dollar check or something like that at the time to sign with whatever label that was and he didn't do it and I think his brother uh C murder was livid at him for not signing a million dollar deal at the time when they was just flat broke and needed the money. And I think uh, if I remember right, P had said he had told him, man, you don't ever make a deal when you're desperate. And he said, basically said this too, like, man, if that white man w- w- was willing to give me a million dollars, I can only imagine how mur- much I'm really worth. And lo and behold, you know, over time Master P became the mogul that he is he had put out all those records went platinum, you know had plenty of songs that went platinum you know, now he owns different brands you know, from Rap Snacks and things like that and also, man, he just kept it so humble and, you know, it was all because he trusted the process that was meant for him his plan, so with that being said, I'm I'm done with just about telling uh with story times and yeah, this pretty much more or less this is what trusting your process is all about because as as we've been stating throughout this whole thing, tr- that means trusting, you know, trusting your process. So yeah, with that being said, man, I appreciate all the support. I appreciate the plays I, I appreciate everything, and I'm just now, I'm, I'm steadily trusting my process, and it's and it can be tough at times, but I'm still steadily trusting it, Um, I've been, things have been on the up and up for me lately, been able to get my head back into it a little bit more, screaming other people's podcasts, and I do have a few that I want to make mention to as Always, I can, I can always mention uh, LRI, Lorraine Infinity. Let's talk, and she also has a another project that's getting ready to come up. And LRI, let's talk about, let's talk to men about it. Uh, I also want to give a a big shout out to the Sneaker Dads podcast too, man. They, you know, they just, they just really started up in... and. It's a pretty dope show. And I also been listening to the Forbidden Fruit Podcast lately. So them just a few that I can just think of off the rip. And you know, you can find my podcast on all major streaming services where you get your podcast from, anywhere from Spotify, Apple, Google. I'm on SoundCloud, Stitcher. I'm gonna say Podbean too, iHeartRadio. So check check us out on all of those platforms. And if you want to reach out to me directly, uh, my Instagram is the number one day at a time podcast. So with that being said, everybody, I'm done being long winded for right now. I just want you to remember to sit back, take a deep breath and remember to take everything one day at a time. I'm out.